Second Kings chapter 15, at the same time, um, go to uh, put a little marker there, your finger there in Second Chronicles chapter 26, because we'll be spending probably most of our time in Second Chronicles chapter 26. But in chapter 14 and 15 of Second Kings, we have the story of nine kings, of which five were assassinated. And in chapter 14, we studied Amaziah, a presumptuous king who was assassinated, and Jeroboam, a prosperous king. Let's read, go ahead and read verses 1 through 7 here in 2 Kings chapter 15. And then what we're going to do, we're going to go through there and chapter, verses 1 through 7 here are speaking about King Uzziah. But then we're going to go to chapter 26 and of Second Chronicles, and that's going to fill in the blanks that are here in verses 1 through 7, because Second Chronicles 26 gives a detailed description of what's happening here in verses 1 through 7. So here in Second Kings 15, let's begin with verse 1 through verse 7. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except that the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house. And Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles? That's why we're going to look at it in Second Chronicles. In the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah. So Azariah rested with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Now understand, Azariah is also Uzziah. And I'll explain as we go along why the two different names. So King Azariah is King Uzziah. Now I'm going to use Azariah because we have Amaziah and Azariah going back and forth. And to help eliminate confusion, we're going to call King Azariah here Uzziah. Uzziah was a well-known king, but his reign of 52 years was spoiled in an hour. Think about that. Many people who reigned have spoiled their reign, even though it started well, promised well, and continued well for some time. And in the Christian's life, we can look at it like this too. We spend time as Christians building up a testimony for Jesus Christ. And then something comes along, some trial or or, or some person, and, and, and we succumb to it. And it tears down or it ruins that testimony that we have been working hard for and striving to build for the glory of Jesus Christ. Uzziah's reign was the longest of Judah and Israel, except for Manasseh, who reigned for 55 years. He was full of prosperity. He had success in foreign wars that led to his fame and his strength, which were signs of God's approval. But it was all ruined in minutes. 52 years ruined in 50, in, 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 within an hour. Uzziah's people weren't punished for his sin. 
nor his loyal priests who were faithful to their calling and the holy responsibility that God put on them that worked to their advantage. But for Uzziah, whenever his defection happened, somewhere in Uzziah's life, something happened. Something like, you could say, Judas Iscariot. Where there was a defection from the Lord Jesus Christ. Was Uzziah defected somewhere in his life? We don't know again where that defection occurred. All of his work, all of his harvest of many years of a well-spent and up till now wonderful rain was wiped away by one unguarded moment. The story of Uzziah can be gathered around three parts. His prosperity, his pride, and his punishment. Okay, his given name was Azariah, which means Jehovah has helped. But when he became a king of Ju- the king of Judah at age 16, he took the throne name Uzziah, which means Jehovah is strength. Uzziah took the throne, as we've read, at 16 years of age. They all agreed to make this young man their king, which was a big mistake, putting such big responsibilities on such a young boy. Because you see, it exposes him to a lot of temptations that, you know, again, a young person shouldn't have to deal with yet. It puts a load of responsibility on them that they're not mentally strong enough to handle. Most of the time, they break down under the stress, under the load. Responsibility isn't for youth. It's for the ready and ripe experience of later life. Going back, and maybe you can relate to it, I know that I can, when you're young, most of the time you act with immature minds and and you judge without knowledge, without thinking. You know, you act impulsively and on emotion, not on fact and long-term effect. Young people are swayed by people rather than governed by principles, and often they fall into serious and disastrous mistakes. The young usually don't think about what they're going to do and how it's going to affect them long term, which is important. You know, one, one experiment with drugs, it can affect you long term. It can, you know, it, it, can, it can kill you. It can, um, you know, cause mental defects. And, and, and just, again, that, that one time, you know, driving under the influence of alcohol, you know, a lot. Of, and remember, we, we never really thought about it. We just got in the car and we took off. Never thinking, what could happen? Or usually thinking, well, like, well it's not going to happen to me. You know, can I kill myself or somebody or the people with me? You see, we, we don't think about the things we're going to do and how it might affect us long term. Now, his mother's name, Uzziah's mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, verse 2 tells us. His mother's name is found about 30 times in Kings and Chronicles. And it seems to point out the, that mother, how the mother had a lot to do with the character and the conduct of the son. The people made Uzziah king when his father Amaziah was taken to Samaria. Remember after his foolish war against Joash, the king of Israel? In the last chapter when he said, hey, come let us face one another in battle. During Uzziah's father's 15 years of captivity in Samaria, Uzziah ruled Judah and he wanted to do the will of God. After Uzziah's father's death, that is Amaziah, Uzziah continued on the throne until he foolishly tried to become a priest and God judged him by making a leper. At that time, Uzziah's son Jotham became co-regent with his father. The record shows that Uzziah was the king of Judah 52 years, including his co-regencies, that is with his father Azariah, 
and also with his son Jotham for possibly 10 years. So all three of these men were at one time reigning together as king. From the very beginning of Uzziah's reign, he showed himself to be a faithful worshiper of Jehovah God. Even though he didn't try to eliminate the high places, the hill shrines where they were, the Jewish people worshipped, they, uh, you see, they were supposed to go to the temple with their gifts and their sacrifices for the Lord. But it was more convenient to visit another shrine or a local shrine. Unfortunately, people make convenience more important than obedience. And some of the high places were still devoted to pagan gods like Baal. And it wasn't until the reigns of Hezekiah and uh, Josiah that the high places were removed. So again, in these first seven verses, we have a brief outline of King Uzziah. Now let's go to Second Chronicles 26, and we're going to fill in the detail in detail what happened, what caused uh, King Uzziah to 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 defect. So beginning in Second Chronicles chapter six, beginning with verses four and five, again one through three. You know, when you read it, it, it says basically the same thing as verses 1 through 7 of 2 Kings 15. Talks about, again, Uzziah taking the throne when he was 16. But beginning with verses 4 and 5, it says, And he, speaking of Uzziah, did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, notice, as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. So we see that that. The starting point of Uzziah's success, it says in verse five of Second Chronicles 26, it says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. You see, as king of Judah, Uzziah is remembered mostly um, uh, for the time of prosperity that the people enjoyed while he was king. Jerusalem experienced improvements that the citizens were proud of. And Zechariah, mentioned here, probably had a big influence on his life in the things of God. It says in verse uh, 2 Chronicles 26, 5, that Zechariah had understanding in the visions of God. That is, Zechariah could receive communication from God, and then he could give it to men. Now, how did Zechariah have such a special understanding and how can we have this understanding well when we read the scriptures we can see that god did not then as he does not now communicate apart from our conditions in other words god cares about a pure heart and holy character he cares about godly men and holiness is the key to seeing and hearing from god So the first thing we're going to look at is Uzziah's prosperity. Again, in verses six through seven, we read that it said God helped him from the uh, from six and seven that God, you know, made he made war and God helped him out. In verses six through seven, in other words, he had a successful career. Uzziah was a brilliant warrior because verse seven says, notice God helped him. Look at verse eight. Also, the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. So we read that Uzziah's fame spread to Egypt. Not only did the news about his victories spread as far as Egypt, but so did the borders of his empire, which added power now to his kingdom. He's starting to prosper. Look at verse 9. 
And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the corner buttress of the wall. Then he fortified them. So the object was the protection of his flocks and shepherds against attacks from gangs of robbers other than Edomites or Arabians. He was a farmer, a cattle breeder. He had a lot of cattle in the area that's just mentioned here. It was for the cattle that he made cisterns in each of those areas. Uzziah, you know, he was a sheep farmer. He kept farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in the fruitful fields. Josephus, the, British, the, the Jewish historian, said he took care to cultivate the ground and he planted it with all sorts of plants with all sorts of seeds. Look at verses 11 through 13. Or I should say 10 through 13. Also, he built towers in the desert. He dug many wells for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and the plains. He also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies, according to the number on their roll, as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Messiah, the officer, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's uh, captains. The total number of chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600. And under their authority was an army of 307,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. So Uzziah was a gifted general. He organized an army. They were strong and they were thoroughly disciplined troops. They were mighty men of valor who acted as superior officers or Divisional commanders, verse 14. Then Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, notice shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. So he armed the soldiers. He prepared the necessary weapons of war for offensive weapons and defensive warfare. Verse 15. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. Notice, so his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till, notice, until he became strong. He equipped Jerusalem by placing on the towers and the walls, it says here, devices invented by skillful men to shoot arrows and large stones. Okay, so we've seen now his prosperity. Now we're going to look at his pride beginning in verse 16. But when he was strong, notice, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God, notice, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. This is the cause of his sin. Verse 16 says what? His heart was lifted up. He became prideful. This is the inevitable tendency of too much material and worldly prosperity. It says in verse 15 that his fame spread far and wide because the Lord gave him marvelous help and he became very powerful. You see, that was a, that was the bottom, the bottom, uh, the, the main thing that caused the, his downfall was the pride in his heart. That was his downfall. It was a lust, it, Pride is a lust that ruins more than any other thing. Listen to what the Lord said in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 14 and 18. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes. He says, which I command you today, lest 
when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land into Egypt or out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day." You see, when Uzziah became strong, you know, he was helped by the gracious hand of God. When he had grown famous, when he had become very great and, and, and had considerable wealth, he had interest, he had power. Instead of giving God the glory, instead of lifting up the name of God and thanking God who had done so much for him, it says in 16, his heart was lifted up to destruction. He committed this offense. Notice, this happened while he was strong. When his kingdom was at the peak of, his, of its magnificence and his fame. It happened when his kingly magnificence was in full bloom and his heart had everything it could possibly want. When he should have been extremely contented and happy without wanting more. Instead, he showed a heart of ungratefulness to God. I wonder if he somehow started to get a, a God obsession. Feeling, I'm so powerful. I'm so well known and wealthy. I'm like a God. Isn't that what Satan presented to Eve? It was started with Satan himself. Isaiah 14, 12. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation of the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of, of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Satan, I'm going to be like the most high. Genesis 3, 5. Then he presented this same thought to, the, to Eve. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. You see, God wants us to act in Satan wants us to act independent of God so that we can be our own God and do what we want to do. What an insult to God. What an assault, what an attack on the graciousness of God, who's the source of everything good. Ephesians 1, 3 says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Psalm 68, 19, who daily loads us with benefits. James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights. Uzziah had done so much business. He had won so much honor that he started to think, you know what? Hey, there's nothing that I can't do. There's no honor too great for me. Nor is there anything too good for me. Including taking upon himself the duty of priest. Ministering before Jehovah God in the holy place. This was the nature of his sin. You see, he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. He was someplace other than where God wanted him to be. And how often we are in other places, places where God has not called us to go. What Uzziah did clearly violated the law of God. You see, the privilege of entering into the holy place and ministering there belonged only to the Aaronic priesthood. May this be a warning to us tonight. 
Ask yourself, what are you doing? Where are you? Spiritually speaking. Uzziah willfully broke the law of God. He had a, he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. Now understand, he may have looked like a, like a priest. He had a censer in his hand. He may, I don't know, or he could have put on a priestly robe to look like a priest. But you can have all the looks and the makings of a priest outwardly, but if you are not called by a God, you, you are no way, shape, or form a priest. He had a censer in his hand, and he went in thinking, okay, I'm okay. I'm going to burn incense to the Most High God. Are you doing what God wants you to be doing? Are you where God wants you to be? Are you living in sin? Are you harboring sin and ill will in your heart? Are you toying with the idea of getting involved in some sinful behavior? Are you flirting with somebody in the office? Are you flirting with the idea of flirting with somebody in the office? Are you having an affair with somebody at work? Are you committing adultery? Are you angry at someone? Are you bitter? Are you envious? Are you living with somebody you're not married to? Are you equally yoked, unequally yoked with an unbeliever? Take a lesson from Uzziah's example here. Get out of the sin. Be where God wants you to be. Get right with God before you throw everything away that's really important to you. Everything that you worked for. How many families have been ruined because a, a, a spouse has, has wanted to have a fling? And they destroy a 20, 30, 40 year marriage and ruin the family. Just for 60 minutes of pleasure. Verse 17. So Azariah or Uzziah, the pre, I'm sorry, now Azariah is the priest. There were like 28 men in the Old Testament named Azariah. So here's why I'm using Uzziah. This is Azariah the priest. As Azariah the high priest went in after him, that is Uzziah, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. So Azariah the high priest went after Uzziah, took with him 80 priests of the Lord. They were valiant men, and they stood up to the king. They weren't afraid of Uzziah. They weren't afraid of his power or his position. You see, what's really neat about this is they were concerned more for the things of God. We need to be more concerned about the things of God. What God wants for me. What is God's will? They saw the terrible sin that he was about to commit. He was invading God's territory. He was invading God's realm that was set apart only for the Aaronic priesthood. And they were warning Uzziah of the danger that he was in by disobeying the law of God. In verse 18, he tells him, look, Uzziah, you shall have no honor from the Lord God. They were telling him, Uzziah, the Lord is not going to honor you because of what you're doing. It's unacceptable to God. Take heed. Listen up. You see, these men who have God on their side, they didn't have to be afraid of kings. And nothing makes a person so bold or courageous as knowing, hey, I'm on the right side. I'm on God's side. You see, these men who have God on their side, they don't have to be afraid of kings. 
And nothing makes a person so bold or so courageous as knowing they're right. Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength, the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? With godly boldness, these men told the king, in verse 18, Get out of the sanctuary because you are trespassing. And you shall have no honor with God. So now we saw, again, uh, the pride. We saw his prosperity. Now we're going to look at his punishment, beginning in verse 19. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. When, as, when Azariah the high priest and the 80 priests went into the sanctuary to stop Uzziah, he became furious. Isn't that how we get when we don't want to do the will of God? We get angry, we get furious, we get mad. According to Josephus, the Jewish historian, Uzziah threatened to kill Azariah and his fellow priests unless they stopped interfering with what Uzziah wanted to do. And wrath often leads to murder. We see that in Genesis 4-5 when Cain killed his brother Abel. And while Uzziah was throwing his tantrum here, Leprosy broke out on his forehead instantly, according to verse 20. Instantly. Suddenly and harshly, God strikes Uzziah right where he stood. In the middle of his disobedient act. Right in the holy place. With censer in his hand. Maybe dressed up in a priestly robe. Furious at Azariah and the 80 priests who were trying to stop him from what he was doing. But he was in defiance of all 80 priests. And he was ready to go through with his plan, even though he was out of the will of God. How foolish can you be? God who was and is looking all the time and he sees every move that we make. He knows every wicked thought in our heart. God simply stretched out his invisible hand and he stopped the arrogant and disobedient Uzziah on the spot. Again, according to Josephus, at that moment, it's, he, he says that a great earthquake shook the ground, splitting the mountain the city stood on, and it caused an opening in the temple dome. And it caused the sun rays to shine right through on the face of Uzziah where the leprosy broke out on his forehead immediately. I mean, what are we thinking when we think we can hide our sinful behavior from God? Second Chronicles seven sixteen says, For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name, God says, may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually forever. Leprosy broke out on Uzziah's forehead. It's the same punishment Miriam received when she spoke against her brother Moses. It's the same punishment Gehazi got for lying to Elisha. And the severity of the punishment shows how great the sin was that Uzziah committed. Like the, like the mark on Cain's head or wherever it was. The spot on Uzziah's forehead branded him as a thing of God's wrath. Now, not everybody's punishment is seen by their fellow man. 
But here it was made obvious for everybody to see. And the proof of the seriousness of what he did. You see, it was to be a warning to other people. To those around him. One of God's purposes for inflicting punishment on evildoers is to convince those who see the consequences of their sin to discourage them through the terror of the Lord. The committing of the sin. Verse 20. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. Notice what they did. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. Notice, sin is humbling. Or humiliating, I should say. It does humble us sometimes. But here, I mean, sin is humiliating. It says in verse 20, they thrust him out of the sanctuary. And even Uzziah himself, it says he hurried to get out because the Lord struck him. And now Uzziah. Who moments before was, was a great king, powerful, well-known, was now unclean. An unclean person. Removed from the congregation because of the infectious nature of his condition. Remember, sin separates and he had to live in an isolated house until the day that he died. Think of it. He could no longer go to the house of God anymore. He couldn't go to God's house and worship there anymore. He couldn't go to God's house and fellowship with God's people anymore. Because as a leper. Leprosy is contagious. It is a wasting, humiliating, disgusting, incurable disease. It was a revolting sign of sin. So was removing the leper from the congregation and his isolation from the fellowship of his friends and fellow men. Sin separates. What an impressive and powerful as well as scary picture of what's waiting for those who are unpardoned sinners. Verse 21. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt, notice, in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Sin is not only humiliating, it is fatal. 100% fatal. King Uzziah was a leper. He lived in an isolated house on the outside of town until the day he died. He was cut off from the people. And he was cut off from the service of God. He could no longer serve God. How sad. Because of one unguarded moment. That one unguarded moment destroyed a lifetime of everything that he had done. A lifetime of achievement. That's why Jesus said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. First Peter 4, 7, Peter said, be serious and watchful in your prayers. You see, Uzziah wanted to do his own thing. 
somewhere in his life he defected from wanting to do the will of God. And our pursuit in life shouldn't be what we want to do, but to do the but 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 holiness, which is a safeguard against self will. Hebrews twelve one tells us to pursue to pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. First goal of the pursuit of holiness is making peace with all people. If we're going to pursue holiness, we have to start by making wrong relationships right. Getting right with people is part of becoming holy. But you see, our final salvation hinges on holiness. God is holy. And fallen man, man has to become holy. You see, holiness starts with God. Holiness is original with God and it can be imparted by God. With man, holiness is received from God and it's definitely a work of his grace. Even though we mean well, well well-meaning people may fall short of grace by failing to stir themselves up in their relationship with God. Holiness does not come after us. Holiness does not chase us. Matter of fact, we run away from it. We have to go after it. We have to seek holiness. We have to devote ourselves to getting it with to, to getting holiness with zeal and committed determination. Lazy Christians who can easily be turned away, they will be turned away. The next time you decide to give in to temptation, Warren Wiersbe says this. The next time you decide to give in to temptation, look back and think about what about God's goodness to you. Look ahead. And remember the wages of sin. Look around and think of all the people who may be affected by your sin, by what you do, and then look up and ask God for the strength to say no. Now, let's get back to 2 Kings 15. In 2 Kings 15, now in verses 8 through 31, we have five dishonorable kings. And in these verses, we meet five kings of Israel who were notorious for their godless character and evil deeds. Four of them were assassinated. In verses 8 through 12, um, again, they're, they're very, they're, there's, it's inf- they're information verses, mostly historical. So I'm just going to tell you the gist of it. and You can, you can read the verses. In, in, Zachar- in verses 8 through 12, we have Zechariah who reigned only for six months. Then in verses 13 through 15, you have Shalom. He reigned for only one month. And then in verses 16 through 22, you, th- you have Menahem. He was the cruelest of them all. He reigned for 10 years. And then in verses 23 through 26, you have Pekahiah, who reigned for two years. And then in verses 27 through 31, you have Pekah, who reigned 20 years. As the northern kingdom was stumbling towards destruction, as it was falling headlong into destruction, their rulers helped to hurry the coming judgment of God. God often gives a nation just exactly the kind of leaders it deserves. Then in verses 32 through 38, let's go ahead and read verses 32 through 38. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. 
He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. However, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? In those days, the Lord began to send Rezan, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, against Judah. So Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. Jotham's reign is mentioned here. Jotham was Uzziah's son. He ruled for 16 years and he was considered a virtuous king. God is sovereign. He's sovereign in his gifts to individuals and he's sovereign in his gifts to nations. The Lord was patient toward his people during those difficult and evil days. And he was faithful to keep the promises that he made to David. But time was running short. It was running out. In spite, even in spite of their sins and all of their failings of his people. The Lord preserved a godly remnant in the nation. And from that godly remnant, the Messiah would eventually be born. Father, we come before you to thank you for this chapter, Lord. And Father, this great lesson. And doing the will of God, Father. Of being careful to not have a defection in our heart, God. Lord, to not have just even the slightest unguarded moment, Lord. But Father, Jesus constantly said, watch. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. We need to be prayed up. That we might have the strength and the wisdom to to not go where God doesn't send us. To be in the place where God wants us to be. To not think any more highly of ourselves than we ought. Like Uzziah did. To come to the place where I think I know more than God. And I can do whatever I want. Help us to understand, Lord, that. Father, many times our own choices. God, lead us to ruin. But help us to know, Father, that the will of God will never lead us to a place where the grace of God won't keep us. And God, our welfare is your greatest concern, Father. Lord, let us hang on to you with all all that we have. Let us cling to you, Lord. Let us cling to your word, Father. Let us abide by your word. Even though it may run contrary to all of my feelings and all of my thoughts. May I come when you call me. May I go when you send me, Lord. May I stay when you say stop. 
maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But through the Holy Spirit, He's spoken to your heart. And you recognize, I'm not where I need to be. That I'm in sin. Then I need to be saved. I need to be born again. The worship team is going to lead us in a song of worship. And as they do, as, as we sing this song. You want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you get up out of your seat. You make your way towards the steps up front. I'll meet you there. And when the song's over, we'll pray together a simple prayer of faith.